G'day and welcome everyone to another edition of the Weekend Wrap, a special Trade Week edition of the Weekend Wrap, brought to you by Crowcast, of course. Lots to talk about, even though there's not a huge amount going on for the Crows, there's lots going on in the AFL world, so without any further ado, let's crack straight in, shall we? Macca, 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 how are you going, mate? Very good, mate. It's been a while since we've been on air, but it, uh, it's yeah, a, we've got plenty to talk about. It certainly has been a while, hasn't it? Hopefully uh, I haven't forgotten how to run this damn podcast and uh, everyone can hear us if you can't hear us um, on YouTube or Spreaker or, or wherever the hell else you're listening to us. Let us know in the chat and we'll uh, sort it out, but I'm sure everything's coming through lovely uh enjoyed the little hiatus from the podcast mate have you oh you get sort of with withdrawals on from it really um it's rather good fun just doing it yeah yeah no that's true um i've been a bit busy work-wise so uh, i have i've enjoyed well not too much enjoyed the break but needed the break <laughs> a little bit going on at work at the moment as uh, someone in chat will probably attest to. <laughs> but we're here wow. and we're keen, and uh, I actually spent a lovely weekend with my partner down at Goolwa this weekend. So I only got back this afternoon, so I'm nice and rested and relaxed and zen. Beautiful part Nothing, of- noth- Be- nothing's going to worry me, Mac, tonight. Be- beautiful part of the world down there, mate. Very nice. We had a nice relaxing time and ate some nice Thai food down there. So uh, it was all very good. And, you know, while the cat's away, the trade week goes crazy and a uh, fair bit going on, mate. Well, there is. Um, and there's a lot sort of hanging around, including our deal, um, that, you know, people aren't blinking or they're just not pushing through or they want to be stage managing to the end, whatever they're reasons might be i mean i would the port adelaide one's a different case altogether but there's no reason why our case why our trade with ranking couldn't have been concluded ages ago well i mean i think there probably are some reasons i think they're trying to sort something out that'll work for us in terms of lower picks and maybe uh future picks and uh maybe waiting for a few other things to drop i can think of uh billy frampton maybe is one domino that might need to fall for us just to uh, give us another late-round pick that we might be able to pass on, I'm not sure. Um, and perhaps, you know, it's just not a priority for Gold Coast because it's pretty much done. Yeah, uh, well, they've apparently been spending their time on the this ridiculous gift of uh, pick seven uh, and a player for a second-rounder to Geelong, the Premier. Um I, I just find the uh, AFL amazing at times that they bring in something. I mean, it's not it, it didn't exist. The rule didn't exist, so they bring the rule in because Gold Coast is stuffed up. And then who benefits from it? Not the sides down the bottom. 
the Premier benefits from it. I mean, that should have been a ruling that it had to go to a team in the bottom half of the ladder. Well, you know, I think the the problem with all these changes is that, you know, teams are teams are planning two or three years out, and you know they look they've got their eyes on certain kids. They've got a, a fair idea of where these kids are going to go. Uh, you know, we've got our own draft position to think about, and so they do a fair bit of planning you know, two or three years out based on the rules as they stand. And then you get to the point in time of having to work a trade and all of a sudden, for no reason, the rules change. And one of the big problems that I've got with it all is that these rules could have benefited us or other teams in previous years um, and they weren't there. And all of a sudden, when it suits a certain team or a certain scenario, they get brought in and... uh, you know, it, it's a it's a ridiculously stage managed manipulation of the uh, talent pool, um, and until the AFL get serious about uh, trade rules and draft rules, um, it's just going to be seen as Mickey Mouse. Well, you know, classic example of what you're talking about. We go uh, uh, right back to the Crouch deal uh, with St Kilda when uh, we were going to do. Uh, a trade for another player from St Kilda and they wouldn't let us because uh, that meant they could have paid more money to Crouch and we would have got a first rounder. Um, That's right. Now, now under the rules of what happened with Ge- uh, with Gold Coast and Geelong, that 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 wouldn't uh, cause a, you know a blink of the eye, but you know absolutely ridiculous. That's right, and some say, say some say that might have been uh, a slightly different scenario, and you know uh, it was a little bit. But at the end of the day, what we were trying to do is accommodate a salary dump um, by St Kilda, um, yeah, in order to get uh, a player. And uh, by the same token, uh, and let's not forget that Brad Crouch's salary had a whole bunch of triggers in it which I would suggest have been met. So I would think that his his uh, the, the sum of his actual 22-player payments would have been uh, significantly higher than what his base was, which is what was being judged. Now, had those triggers not been present and those amounts just been included in his base, we would have gone up to a, a band two compensation. So... You know, there's so many vagaries. And the thing that uh, always makes me worried when you're talking about these things is that they're all discretionary. Try and find a a rule book of the AFL trade system and draft system. You won't find one, Macca. And when you do find little bits and pieces that they release on AFL.com or whatever, it's all underpinned by at the AFL's discretion. You know, yeah, and means, look to come on. Sorry, I just say which means it's Rafferty's rules. Hundred percent Rafferty's rules, and you know uh, as much. And we'll talk about the Horn Francis situation in a moment. But really, uh, Port Adelaide have been stymied by this situation as well. That, uh, this discretionary situation where they've applied. Uh, the AFL have come out and said that teams could uh, potentially um, uh, trade. Uh, picks one and two of, of the following year if they're trading for a, a young player. Now, Horn France has only been in the system one year. Why haven't they been able to trade, uh, include their second round future uh, in this deal? 
Well, um, I can't offer you a good reason. I mean, they have a rule that says that uh, you can't, if you trade your first round pick, you can't trade your second, third, or fourth. Yeah, but yeah, yeah but there's an and exception that, to that. And it's been used. That's the other thing. It's just used. Been it's been used discretionally before. That's right. So there's a, the exception to that was based on the age of the player because what they didn't want it to be done is to be used for mature age players. But they the exception you could make an application. Um, and the AFL would consider it based on the age of the player. Now, Horn Francis isn't even 20 yet. He's been in the system one year. Why can't Port yep. include their second-round uh, future? Um, it just doesn't make any sense. And whilst, you know, I'm, I'm quite happy for Port to struggle to get this one over the line, when you're looking at it from trying to analyse uh, the AFL's rules, it's just another case of the rule fitting one team but not another. A perfect case of it. And uh, quite frankly, uh, uh, I was hoping that they would actually, again, bend their rules because they'll bend them when they want to uh, because it would just skin Port Adelaide uh, more of, of their draft pick for next year gone so that really they'd be a nothing next year and we could aim at a player without any uh, fear of them uh, trying to compete with us. Mm. Yeah. So, you know... Uh... And it becomes more farcical every year. Every year it becomes more farcical. There's more of these situations. Now, how the Premier is going to end up with the draft hand that they have is just ridiculous. Um, and it shows a complete flaw in the system. They're going to end up uh, with pick seven, Jack Bowes. Uh, they've got Tanner Bruin from GWS. Yep. Um, there's one other that they're looking yeah, at as well. Isn't they're, after, yeah, they're after Henry from Collingwood. Oliver Henry, that's right. They're going to end up with two players, two first-round draft picks, um, and probably another speedboat down at Moggs Creek, the way they're going. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, I think it's farcical. Absolutely farcical. Yeah, so, uh, look, I don't know. I... I it bothers me because we all we all like the fantasy of the of the AFL being a true competition. Even though deep down, I think we all know that it's uh, a stage managed entertainment piece. Um, but at least they could try and be consistent. You know, <laughs> that just just to let us live out these fantasies of of supporting a, a true and fair national competition. No, no. look, uh, the rules will get bent for Victorian teams, but not for. A- outside Victoria. Yeah. Yeah. So, look, anyway, and the problem with this is is the Gold Coast got themselves into a pickle, right, with their salary cap. Now, the and what the situation shows is that Gold Coast are in a, are, are in a position because they've received so many high-end draft picks and they possessed, you know, even... You know, they've, they've, they've just loaded up on salaries to try and keep these players, that they don't actually value high draft picks. The fact that they, they're quite happy to give away bows and pick seven for a salary dump, I mean, th- that just shows that they place no value on that pick. Well, I totally agree with you, but the other thing that annoys me about this is that... Um, 
They are, by giving away pick seven, there's no doubt they are relying very heavily on getting our pick five. I would have thought that would have, should be in our favour in, in, the, in the negotiating stage that, stage that because uh, they're going to give away once they've committed to giving away the pick seven, well, I would I'd, I'd be uh, arguing a lot harder with my pick five. Well, we'll get to individual trades in a sec, but you're absolutely right. Um, why would they be going so hard for Rankin when they're willing to to basically give away a pick that's uh, two picks lower? Doesn't make any logical sense, does it, mate? No, it doesn't. And uh, from an AFL point of view. I mean, they should be actually almost – well, they, they should have been querying it because um, they, they've actually approved this salary dump. And it's funny, they brought in this salary dump rule a matter, a matter of days before Gold Coast started to use it. So That's right. um, that in itself just shows that they are dishonest because that rule wasn't brought in for the rest of the competition. It was gone well, for uh, – for it's brought in just for the team that they're sponsoring and and uh, subsidising and and ripped out uh, millions and billions out of the system so far. But I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take that one step further, um, Macca, because Gold Coast aren't the only team that the AFL um, control at the moment, right? Oh, GWS. They, well, they also control GWS. They also control the Adelaide Crows, and they also control Port Adelaide. It's Um, not about who they control. It's about where they want the game to develop. They don't quite control Adelaide because uh, in the sense of that they've got more control over Port Adelaide and clubs that they fund. Adelaide, not true. Not true. It, well, when you're funded by the AFL, they can tell you every uh, do with every penny that you spend. But uh, if you're an independently funded club, then they don't have the, that right. Except if they have the control of the voting on the board, right? They do have that. Correct. And uh, over the coming couple of years, Macca, it is going to be like, you know, I'll make no bones about the fact that at times running this podcast has been um, uh, a labour of love and a little time-consuming, And but we've had one or two successful campaigns, particularly the one that uh, assisted in getting a review done at the club. My final campaign is going to be to make sure that in 2028, when that deal is finished that we actually get a member controlled board because if they manipulate it to continue to have control over us after 2028 then we might as well just all pack up and go home in my opinion sorry what is the significance of the 2028 oh so you're not aware no no, so when we bought our license back from the SANFL, yes, um, one of the conditions of the sale of the license, apart from the fact that it costs us what thirty million dollars or something over ten years, was that the AFL would have voting control over our board. And if you read the constitution, um, then you'll see that um, that. Uh, 
continues until the um, the loan, basically, because the AFL paid the SANFL and we're paying the AFL back, right? The, once the loan is extinguished, which is uh, 2028, then um, the AFL's voting rights are to be distributed um, in a couple of different ways, depending on what the board decide to do. One of the ways is that the, the voting rights are distributed amongst existing memberships, or the voting right can be uh, distributed to a newly created category. Okay. So at the moment, the AFL have veto rights on any vote that the board takes. Well, I guess uh, I I didn't know that, and I have to accept your word for it because I... It's written in the Constitution, mate. It's written in the Constitution. Go ahead and read it. Uh, I'll take your word for it instead. <laughs> yeah, so look, and I don't want to get into that now, but what I'm trying to say, and I'm sorry, I thought you were aware of it, what I'm trying to say is that it's not about who the AFL controls, it's about who, where the AFL wants the game to expand. And um, at this stage, their problem child is Gold Coast, and so they're willing to do anything that they need to do to get the Gold Coast off the deck. Because you can bet your life that if um, the situation, say, for example, between Port and North were reversed, then North Melbourne would be allowed to use their uh, first and second round futures. But because it's coming the other way, not going to happen. Hmm. Well, I I still think, you know, um, from the point of view that they really want our pick five and they've demanded it right from the word go. When this yep. thing came up with the, the pick seven and uh, bows and that, I just think that if they give away their pick seven, they don't, their next pick after that is forty something. So, yep. um, I, I I thought yeah, we'd be in the driving seat. Forty five, yeah. So, from the, but I would have thought we would have tried to drive that bargain to come our way. And well, let's 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 just not get into specifics just yet Mac but I do agree with you I do agree with you Uh, it's difficult to understand what's going on but before we get into that let's just see if we can run through um, go over let me see if we can just run through what's going on uh, what has happened so far okay so Bobby Hill uh, has gone from GWS to Collingwood Uh, Bobby Hill um goes to Collingwood for a forty th- a pick forty three and a future second round selection um to GWS. So Collingwood get um Bobby Hill on that one. I think it's about uh, right. Yeah, probably about right. Um the next one's interesting. Uh Tim Taranto to Richmond. Richmond gets Taranto, GWS gets the first rounder, which is around about twelve. And a second round yep. of around about nineteen. What do you think of that one? Uh, it's probably a little light, but you know you'd never you'll never get it spot on. Really, you happy to you... wave that one off? Well, I would okay if we were getting rid of a player like Turan, I wouldn't want a two first rounders. Best and, fairest winner in their, best and fairest winner in their grand final season. 
Mac? Yeah. Uh, no, I definitely I would have been asking for two first rounders. I reckon it's a bit light. It's a bit light. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Blake Akers goes to Fremantle. Uh, sorry. What? No, they've got their title wrong there. Blake Akers becomes a, a blue. Um, Carlton gets Blake Akers. Fremantle gets a future third round selection. Stolen. He had a very good year. Very good year. Yeah, I reckon that's a bit light as well. Yeah, stole him. Uh, there's a weird little pick swap here. Uh, Melbourne gets a uh, pick 27. Port gets pick 33 and two third rounders, 43 and 53. So um, not quite sure well, what that I, was all about. Um. From a point of view, I think that uh, Port of the Win is there. Agreed. Um, what have we got next? Griffin Logue and Darcy Tucker both go to North Melbourne. Um, so uh, neither of those, I thought Griffin Logue stunk it up when uh, for, in, for Frio in the final series. Uh, so North get Logue, Tucker and a future third. Fremantle gets a future second, a future third, and a future fourth. Yeah, look, I, I don't think they're good enough players to really uh, debate too hard about. That's probably okay. Agreed. Uh, GWS does a uh, pick swap. Um, they get pick 15 in return for Brisbane's pick 21 and a future second rounder, which would you would imagine would be, you know, similar, 21, 22, something like that. Um, sorry, this is for who? So GWS get pick 15, or Brisbane's first round pick, which is currently 15. Yep. Brisbane... Paid, uh, sorry, Brisbane get a second rounder, which is pick 21, and a future second yeah. rounder. Not sure I'm understanding that what, what that's all about. If we had pick 15 and we traded it for two picks in the 20s, Macca, do you reckon we'd all be jumping over the fence? But they have a situation, though, that they, they're trying to get a player from the Bulldogs, and that sort of... Uh, that might maybe that what they've got favours in, but that it leaves them in a difficult situation to satisfy uh, the Bulldogs. That's exactly right. So Brisbane have gotten rid of a first round pick for two picks in the twenties, one this year and one next year, when they're trying to get Dunkley to the club. So clearly they're after points for Ashcroft, right? But and there's another player as well. Ashcroft and another player. Yeah, um, Fletcher. But how committed are they to bloody Dunkley? What they're trying to do is just to uh, wear the Bulldogs down, say that's all we got, that's all we got, that's all we got. So eventually hoping that they'll just give in. And because, I mean, they had a situation that they could have paid the appropriate uh, ask for Dunkley, 
And, you know, I mean, Bulldogs are saying, you know, if you're going to be like that, we'll stick him in the pre-season draft. I don't think that will happen. That'd be absolutely stupid. I don't know why you'd cut your own nose off to spite your face. Mm. But Mm. um, what about if we offered our first rounder, which is going to be a lot more... Stop jumping ahead. (laughs) <laughs> I know you've had a lot of time to think about this, but let's just go through the trades that have happened first. Well, that one. Well, I don't know where that one's going to happen. Well, we're talking about the pick swap here, and the pick swap's confusing. Um, if you if you consider that Brisbane are looking uh, looking for Dunkley, um, GWS, I reckon make out like bandits in that deal. Yes, there's anyway. no doubt about that. Yeah. So the next one is Gold Coast gets Ben Long and a future fourth from St Kilda who get a second rounder. It's probably about right. Uh, I don't think he's worth it, but go on. Yep. Well, you know, they got 93 picks. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Tom Berry goes to the Gold Coast from the Lions. Uh, so Gold Coast gets Berry in a third round pick, currently 46, and a future second. Um, and Brisbane get two second round picks, 25 and 36, and a third round pick, currently 56. So they've done all that they need to do to get those two lads in. Yeah, that's what they're doing. No, no question yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, Tom Berry, fair enough. Uh, Josh Corbett well, goes, sorry, go on. Yeah, but uh, I think it works out to something like a net second or something like that. Is that right? More or less, yeah. Yeah, he can't make their side, so uh, I know it's a, it's it's a big it's a big call. I think it is. Yeah. Um, and all I'm all I'm seeing so far, more or less, is trades that assist GWS and the Suns. That's all I'm saying at the moment. <laughs> that's true. Uh, the, the the whole two first two days of the draft were the were the Suns and the and the Giants manipulating the trade to swap picks around to get what they need. That's all. That's all it is. Right. Anyway, uh, Corbett goes to Fremantle for a future fourth rounder. I reckon that's pretty light. Actually, Corbett isn't terrible. No, uh, but he's not that good either. Uh, but that's, no, he's probably just slightly under. Uh, then we got this one. Tanner Bruin goes to Geelong uh, for a first round pick, number eighteen. Yeah, that that's theft, absolute theft. He was, I think it was pick ten, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, pick ten. Um, didn't have a bad. Well, it started a bit slow, but not too bad. Yeah, he started slowly, and uh, the more games they put under his belt, I just thought he got better and better. And 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 I think that's theft. Pick eighteen. Pick eighteen. That's theft. there's no there's no way that that's like giving um, oh, I don't know Josh Rosselli away for ten. Yeah, that's right. It's just. He's been, he's been given uh, quite a few uh, games at AFL level and, uh, he's, as I said, he's got better and better as he's played each game. And 
So they're going to get the benefit of that and pay, you know, eight spots worse than what he was drafted for. It's fair. Yep. Yep. Agreed. <laughs> and then uh, we get a, a weird little pick swap again. Geelong gets 25 and Brisbane gets 38, uh, 48, 55 and a future second and a future fourth. Yeah, again, collecting points for the two lads that they want to get. Yeah. But making no attempt to get anything. Uh that's going to actually help get Dunkley. Yeah. So the thing of it is, Geelong are quite willing to give her, give her, like. So let's let's just. Um, that's the last one I think on the list. Yeah. So let's just have a look at it because Geelong were quite happy to give away their first round, like their pick eighteen. And then they're quite happy to give away their second round of 25. Mm. So they would only, surely they would only do that if they know they're going to get seven back from Gold Coast. Well, I agree with that too, Bane. Uh, because why else would you pay up your first and then give away your second rounder? Unless you knew that you were going to get something else. Unless you're going to get seven. That's exactly right. And this goes back to your point, Macca. Why would Gold Coast be so happy to give up seven? Well, because it's, they've the only pick they've, it's the only pick they've got in, um, in the first two 40. rounds is number seven. Yep, that's it. And so why they, would they do that? Because they, they want five. Yep. But if they're that bloody desperate to go five, then we should actually be dictating terms rather than the other way around. Yeah, all right. So let's you're championing the bit to talk about this. So let's talk about this, right? Let's yes. talk about the ranking situation. So before trade week, I would have rated a fair a fair pick for Rankin as between uh, eight and twelve. Probably eight and ten, to be honest with you. You're a bit higher, a uh, bit lower than me, or higher, whichever better pick than me. Uh, you know, I look back at Charlie Cameron. We uh, traded him, and he was contracted. We traded uh, two throttles, Charlie, uh, for pick twelve. Yep, and at the time we thought we made out like bandits. Remember, because Charlie didn't have a good year in his draft year. Uh, that wasn't his draft year. Uh, in his trade year, I mean. Um, no, but the, the you could see he had absolute plenty of uh, potential. And um, he, at the stage, I believe he's shown more than Rankin has shown at this stage. If you go back well, to I Rankin's career. Yeah, no, I, just the, no, you know, I disagree. I disagree with that. I, I don't think anyone oh. would have projected Charlie to kick 50-odd goals for Brisbane in a season. I don't think anyone I, well, would have projected that. Well, I always thought he was going to be a good player, a really good player. He just, oh, you know, no the more he played, he's, and uh, and I thought pick 12 was fair at that the time, and I would have thought pick 12 was fair for Rankin. Yeah, well, I would, like, you know, as I said, between 8 to 12 for me. 
Um, eight would have been a stretch. Twelve, uh, ten would have been probably fair. Um, Rankin's starting to show his um, a, a return on his potential in the second half of this year in particular. Um, but he has taken a while to get going, Mac. He's had a few injuries and a few little off-field issues and all that. Um, went at pick, what did he go at? Pick two, pick three, whatever it was. Um, pick three. Yeah. But what we, what we seem to be hearing is that, A, it's pick five without even a question and, some, yeah. and other stuff. And I'm a little yeah. bit flabbergasted. I don't quite understand why. Yeah, and like, uh, well, as PJ's uh, quite rightly suggested in the chat, we should have split, uh, split pick five very quickly into two other firsts yeah. and one for Randall and one for ourselves. And yeah. we would have been able to do that and give them uh, what is, would have been fair value for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and But, you know, it's... Uh, Matt says it's very media-driven. Well, it is media-driven because I don't know what the whole media has got against the Adelaide Crows, but, I mean, to carry on about saying that he'd been poorly advised and all this bullshit. I mean, he was a lad who'd been up there for four years and wanted to come home, for God's sake. Mm. And he was there for four years. So from my point of view, uh, he was very entitled to do that. Not, I mean, when we talk about JHF wanting to go to port after one year, and nobody's carrying on on about it like they did about Rankin. As if we were, as if we were kidnapping him and forcing him to come down here the way they were, they were talking about it. Well, David King's been one in particular that I think has been borderline racist because uh, whereas he's supported uh, without any question, as she's rightly point out, uh, other people coming home. Um, he's suggested more or less that Isaac Rankin uh, isn't smart enough to make his own decisions, uh, won't cope with the fishbowl in Adelaide, even though it's where he bloody grew up, David. Um, And, you know, basically um, uh, talking about him as if he's some sort of an idiot. Now, I understand that David King is probably still taking the splinters out of his ass from the 98 grand final. But that said, like it really, there really is a stereotype coming out of King's mouth when he's not willing to make the same comments about other kids like Tanner Bruin, for example, coming home to Victoria. Um, and it's really, it's really annoyed me actually the rhetoric around Rankin. And it started early on when there wasn't a lot of other news going around. But what's really annoyed me is that it's continued. David King doubled down just last week on it. And, um, you know, I, it, it just it frustrates me. And I understand the club just wanted to, to fly under the radar and all the rest of it. But at some stage, I hope someone comes out and has a crack at some of these dickheads because it's just so disrespectful to the player when it's not a, when it's not a, uh, um, a, a line of questioning or a line of commentary that's directed at any other players apart from those that want to come back to a non-Victorian state. 100% spot on, Fiend, and it makes me so angry. And uh, if the AFL uh, had any balls about them, if they had any justice about them, if they Best had no. any, 
No, but if they had any sense of morality about them, they would actually be having a crack at David King for the comments that he made because they, if you uh, interpret them the way that you have and they can be interpreted that way, it is actually racist and also suggesting he's a bloody moron as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, um, get staffed, David King, basically, um, and try to get over 98. Um, Anyway, so nevertheless, we've been very... And the only commentary that I've heard come out of the club is that Justin Reid came out and said, pick five is sitting there, and we're aware it's a very nice pick. Now, when he... A lot of people initially... Um, took that to mean that pick five was on the table. I took it initially to mean that it's there and we acknowledge it's there, but we also have a view that it's quite a valuable pick. Um, so it's hard to know whether all the speculation that's coming out of you know that doyen of truth and honesty trade radio um, is true or whether we are trying to do something else that doesn't involve just a straight pick five and something else. Because, to be honest with you, pick five, to me, for an uncontracted player, is far too high. Far too high. Way way too high. Way too high. And on top of that, um, if we, if what is being reported is factually correct, and we don't know that yet, uh, but not only is it pick five, it's an allegedly an exchange of uh, future thirds and future fourths, and we'll get back a third. They've got two or three picks in the 40s, and uh, they've got 45, 46, and 56. We know which one they'd send. It'd be bloody pick 56. Um, so, but we really need, uh, we really do need another second round of back, I think, to balance up that trade. But it, at the moment, it's very one-sidedly in favour uh, of the Gold Coast, and he—I know that he read put he made that he did make that statement that uh, I heard him saying, you know, it's on the there's pick five, it's a very nice pick, it's there on on the table, and then we no, he didn't say it's on the table. He didn't say it's on the uh, table. No, he, he said, said we, we have know to that see pick what... five is there, and it's a very attractive pick. And he said, we'll have to look at what pick five is or something like that. He said, what we do around that. You know, he didn't actually say do around it. He said it was something vague uh, like about it. And uh, I thought to myself, what a, what a starting point. What a bloody starting point. We're starting from the point where we can, where we could only get done over like a dinner. He should have been offering pick 23 first. Well, I don't think what he said was actually an offer, Mac. That's the thing. Well, I mentioned it. I don't it. think it was an offer. Well, because it's stating the obvious. It's sitting there. Many of you say it's sitting there. The point is they'll say we want it, and they've, which well, they've done because they're trading well, up the pick seven, etc. I, I, I'm sure that um, Gold Coast list manager can read, you know, the piece of paper that tells him what who's got what draft picks. He didn't need reader to tell him that. Reedy was making a comment on trade radio. Yeah, I, I understand that, but I, it wasn't. I low, it wasn't. I think people over overplay that. To be honest with you. Well, from 
put it this way, from Gold Coast's point of view, they've never, ever spoken about anything but five plus. Well, of course they would, because that's what's there, Mac. So, of yeah, course, that's I, what I'm... they're going to say, because that's what's there. That Obviously, they're going to push for pick five, because that's what we have. If we had pick eight, they would say, well, it's pick eight. The fact that we've got pick five. I mean, what they're basically saying, Gold Coast, is they're saying that Rankin is worth a single-figure pick. We happen to have pick five. What we're saying but... is, well, pick five is a bit valuable, so how can we make that more palatable? Well, Vardy's put the uh, exact quote up. It's obviously, Isaac is a priority. We want to get him into the footy club, and we'll work through that Gold Coast. I won't go into specifics, but certainly pick five is a very good pick, and we'll work through that together. There you go. Yeah, you can read that two ways, though, Fiend. Oh, of course you can. Of course you can. He, he's not ruled it out. But what, is, what I take that to mean is he's trying to get best value out of pick five. We obviously think pick five is overs for Rankin, right? So I would imagine that what we're trying to get to in that negotiation is how can we bridge the gap between what we perceive Rankin is worth and what we perceive and, and what pick five is worth. Anyhow... Uh uh, it's going to be pick five. There's, there's obviously about that. There's no doubt about that because apparently we settled for some sort of finality um, last week and have been waiting for the last three days for it to happen. But and it hasn't. And they'll definitely get um, as PJ crazy. We're trying to get a second round, but they haven't got a second rounder to give us. Not yet. Maybe that's um, what we're waiting for. Um. Well, they will get a second rounder, actually, um, from Geelong for the pick seven situation. So maybe that's what we're waiting for, Mac. I hope so. I hope so, because when you look at our trade hand, when we, when we discuss that later, it's a, a, as thin as we've ever taken into a draft ever. Yep. And, but the club has made no secret of that. The club has always said that this year we would be we would be um, um, consolidating. Uh, yep, they, 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 I know they have. They've said that, and uh, they've also forced themselves into that t- uh, situation to some degree by signing everybody willy nilly. I mean, I think you and I got signed up accidentally. Yeah, I'm playing in a back pocket. Um, Lukey Brown made way for me, which is very nice of him. So I'm just going to be a little well, nuggety back pocket. Well, I be? did hear that rumour. Me? Uh, yeah. I'll just stand on the boundary and scream abuse at everybody. <laughs> well, they're certainly playing to your strengths, aren't they? <laughs> well, everybody's got to have a talent, mate. <laughs> yeah. Look, I think... I think that they feel, rightly or wrongly, that we're 90% done in terms of our rebuild. And um, the one thing that I will say, Macker, is that I think the whole Horn Francis situation has blindsided them. And I think the the, the circumstances about Horn Francis um, changed quite dramatically with the Clarkson thing coming up. Yep. And I no think I think 
Horn Francis's management have approached both clubs, and I think we've said, well, we've already committed to um, Rankin. We can certainly do it next year, but we don't have the capital to do it this year. And I think Port have gone, well, shit, we're gonna, we were going to buy Dunkley, but he said no, then we were going to buy Graham, but he's not as good as you. So uh, they can both piss off and we'll try and get you. And I think Port have made promises that they can't maybe keep. Look, I, I sometimes, I don't, uh, am I allowed to say kissed on the cock by a fairy? You just did. <laughs> well, Port Adelaide, ha- they have been because, as you said, they kept trying for player after player. They miss out. Oh, I'm not allowed to say it, so I withdraw it. Um, but uh, <laughs> so they, you know, they miss out on two players, including Dunkley, and then they're, they're sitting there, they're desperate. And so at the same time... they're desperate. Thing, no, they, well, they're I, desperate I, to bring in players. They, what they, they really would... want, did want to strengthen their side. And um, then you've got a situation and then bang, the Clarkson thing blows up and then Horn Francis wants to come home and they, they've just sound him out, bang, got him. Um, I just think they're very, very lucky because... If the Dunkley thing had gone through or one of the other ones had gone through, they would they would be able to do it. Well, the word is that they'd basically uh, decided on Jack Gray. And uh, yeah. then they've basically said to him, like, in the meantime, they've got that. So they've got him to come over and tour the facilities and all the rest of it. And in the meantime, you know, they've either got hold of Jason Horn Francis or the other way around. And once it's become clear that Horn Francis is open to moving back to South Australia this year, they've basically told Jack Graham while he's over here, oh, but we're going to go for Horn Francis first. And Jack Graham's gone, well, stuff for you guys then. What do you have me over here for? Uh, look, I think I actually I actually have a strong feeling that it, that is just a feeling that it was initiated by Jason's camp rather than Port. And oh, I, I look think that mate, both be. clubs. I think both clubs have spoken to. Uh, he's spoken to both clubs, or his management have, and we've just said, "Look, we don't know how we're going to get this done." And so he's gone to Port, and Port have said, "Well, we got. We haven't. We can probably do something." Um, and given the fact that they've just lost Robbie Gray, and you know a couple of other midfielders are dropping off, um, they've probably got the cap space just. Um, and so they've they've said, "Yeah, come in." Yeah, um, so that's why I think they're very fortunate that that happened that way. Having said that, um, just on the uh, form, with, if you go, you really got to go back to South Adelaide days when uh, he was playing SANFL to think this guy is going to be another danger field because what I saw running around last year in the AFL was a guy that didn't really want to be there, look, look sour. Um, not a great team man, abusing his uh, elder teammates. Um, didn't do didn't do his uh, ice baths and all that stuff properly. In other words, so n- not a disciplined footballer in that respect. And if he had have got it, pick one. Just forget. He just say he was a player being taken somewhere in the draft, and you were going to uh, take him. You wouldn't be offering all 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 these. Uh, Picks it at the moment. Um, 
Yeah, but the fact you know, is, the, you can't just disregard the fact that he did go pick one. And not only that, he was probably the most highly sought after pick one for quite some time. Highly enough that we were prepared to give, you know, uh, pretty much three first round picks with, I think, one second rounder coming back. Um, that was our offer to North Melbourne last year, which I, I bet North Melbourne wish they took in, in retrospect. Yep. Um, so you can't just discount that, Macca. I think some of this stuff has been overblown in the media. Um, Jason was a pretty committed lad um, in his junior career, um, played a pretty good season for South Adelaide in the ones, as let's not forget a 17-slash-18-year-old. No, he did um, well. North Melbourne did not handle his recruitment very well at all. Um, they had, by reports, they didn't have him living with a player. They had him living on his own. Um, you know, we know that he's very family-oriented, uh, has a very oh. close family connections. And, you know, it ended up being that um, they had to... Uh, you know, fly people over to, to like we're talking about an eighteen-year-old kid, Macca. We're not talking about a mature-age footballer. We're talking about an eighteen-year-old kid. And I, I'm really negative about all the bullshit that's flown around Twitter and around the media about Jason's attitude and all that sort of stuff, right? Because quite frankly, I don't think North, like North knew what they had, right, because they were prepared to knock us back and Richmond back with a with a similarly good offer. But but on the other hand, they were very arrogant about it because they didn't treat it with any with any respect or with any uh they didn't value what they had. You know, they've just no. got the most highly sought after first round pick for a long time and they didn't. They didn't do anything to make him feel uh, anything other than any other player coming into the club, and I don't think that's right. Well, I don't think it was even that good, Fiend, in the sense that he and Noble did not get along at all, and 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 Noble was trying to put him down all the time because he thought, you know, he's a big head, and uh, um, and and he is a bit of a, that way inclined, but. He started off well, okay. Do you reckon Paddy Dangerfield was a big head? <laughs> of course he, of course these I, these well, champions are like that. I was going to say most of the stars are, and um, but yeah, instead of like working with him to try and get the best out of him, he was sort of slamming him all the time and in, in mentally. And uh, JHF just isn't used to that, and uh, he's not made that way, and he doesn't take it very well, and. Um, you, you, you look at the first game he played for North Melbourne. It was an excellent game. He, he started off with looking like he was going to be an absolute star in his first year, but then that he just deteriorated the longer he was there with them. So you're quite right when you say that uh, he probably will be as good as he's supposed to be, but he's been set back a year, that's all. I, I just don't like the way, you know, I mean, you can't control social media. But social media gets fueled a lot by false or misleading or reaching media reports. And I don't like the way the media has handled this situation at all. And I think, you know, to go along with the rhetoric around Isaac Rankin, 
um, and one or two others in the past couple of years, I, I think it's dangerous territory for the media to be so scathing about a kid who hasn't even had his 21st birthday yet. You know? Oh. And, and, when, and without any examination at all about how the club has handled that recruitment. You know, if... So we're talking about a situation where you and I, all of a sudden, because we've we've been shit, we get handled. We get handed a million dollars to buy something, Macca. So we we go ahead and and we get offers from other places to trade that million dollars for stuff, but we have our eye on a certain thing that we want to spend our million dollars on. So we say no to those other um, people. We go and buy our million dollar item, whatever it is. And let's say it's a bloody Ferrari or some shit, whatever. And then instead of parking in the garage, we just leave it out in the, on the street. That's effectively what yeah, North Melbourne have done. Yeah, good. It's actually a good comparison. Actually, they didn't value what they had, and so you're quite right. In fact, you know, I, I'm very critical of players who want to leave in at the end of their first year. But I think he, he's actually got a reasonably genuine case in the sense of how he was treated. And everybody's got a certain nature and a way of behaving. And um, it's up to the clubs to maximise the output from that player by the way they handle him. And, you know, Noble just handled him shockingly. Yeah. So, look, you know, so there's many facets to that. You could go back to, to how the Hutt Crows handled their, um, their season in Jason's draft year. Um, you know, we go back to those couple of games that we won that we didn't need to and all that sort of stuff. We could have positioned ourselves better. We did make a, an excellent um, deal that I think in retrospect North regret not taking uh, for him. Um, but that said, had we done that deal, we wouldn't have received uh, Geordie Dawson. We wouldn't have got um, uh, Josh Rochelle. Two excellent players, Mac. So... Yeah, have a funny way of working out, and I'm actually quite happy with what happened last year. In the end, yeah. Because so yeah, you know, one year that, that's 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 really good stuff. Yeah. So you know, from that perspective, uh, it's not a bad outcome. We got we got basically two players for uh, for well three, including what we'd end up doing with pick five this year for um, Horn Francis. So you know, it's not it's not the end of the world. Dawson Rochelle and Rankin for Jason Horn Francis as PJ puts in the chat. I mean, they're, they're three pretty good players for Horn Francis, right? Yeah, no, I'm very happy with what we got. Yeah, so I, I'm not, I'm not dissatisfied either. Um, that said, um, I did get a whisper that we were trying to do something. <laughs> But I don't think I don't think there's anything to it. Uh, but I, I'm, I think that the reports of Horn Francis only being interested in Port Adelaide are also a little bit overblown. I think that he uh, there's not been a quote from Jason or his manager stating that he only wants to go to Port. Has there? Um, nope, there I, hasn't been. I think I checked again today. No. No, no, there hasn't been, but I think that was his preference. Uh, but I think he would have come to Adelaide if that was the only way he could get, get back to Adelaide because he was desperate. 
was quite happy for us to draft him in his draft year because we spent all year talking to him. Yeah. Because at that stage, Port wouldn't have been a chance. Um, Look, he... No, and welcome to Razor right, 2. He, welcome to Razor 2. We're talking about your favourite subject, Ray. <laughs> on Francis. Uh, sorry, go on, Mac. Uh, well, you know, his real desire was not so much to get to Port. It was to get back to Adelaide. Absolutely. He just, uh, I mean, he used to fly his girlfriend up. He used to fly his mother up. He used to fly his three mates up there. He was just yep. so homesick, just so yep. homesick. He never socialised up with it, uh, up there at all, and uh, uh, he just wanted to get back to Adelaide to where all, all, all the people that he loved and the, uh, the comfort and the situation of everything that he had in the past. He just didn't want to be there. Yep. And, you know, uh, that feeds into what I was saying earlier about how um, North didn't value what they had. Um, they didn't just have a number one pick. They had an extremely talented number one pick um, who had been very um, uh, highly sought after uh, and they just didn't, didn't value him. And it doesn't mean you mollycoddle the kid, but it means you put good support systems around him. You give him good access to the to the to what's important to him, in, in Jason's case, his family and his close mates. Uh, you understand, you put a bit of time into understanding what makes him tick, you know, where they didn't even interview him much before the draft. They, had, they were hardly in touch with him, right? Yeah. North, uh, uh, they blew it and... Uh and I still think he probably may have waited uh, till the end of next year to come home uh, with Clarks on there. But uh, once this thing blew up with Clarks and, and, and a bit of a mess, then mm. that was it. That was it. Yeah. yeah, and that brings us back to to our point. I think that the whole situation um, uh, from the from Adelaide's point of view has been thrown in a bit of turmoil because of, or in terms of our planning, has been turned upside down because I wouldn't mind betting that we were putting together a bit of an offer um, that we could have put to uh, Jason and also to North Melbourne um, at the end of his contract next year, next season. That, that's what I, I suspect. I, I would say you're 100% right and that's exactly what we would have been doing. Yep. So, um, and Inquisitor, your timing, mate, is impeccable. Uh, Inquisitor puts in the chat... Should we pill it to um, Elijah Holland? And I would say the jury is out on that. But oh. it wouldn't bother me if we did. He's going to be a very good player, I think. Um, mm. watch the, you know, I watch all the games and um, he got his opportunity late in the season and uh, mm. he looked very comfortable right from the very first game he played there and... He only played a very handful of games, but one of them, he was very dominant in uh, as well. And I thought that mm. was, for a guy playing in like just a, what, I don't know whether it's his third game or his fourth game, whatever it was, to, to play quite a dominant game, uh, I was very impressed with him. He just has the ability to read the play well, to be in the right, play, right time, the right place. He's, yeah, he's going to be a very good player. So, you know, uh, I don't know that that, that he's necessary somebody that we've got to go after. There can be other players that are just as good or uh, maybe less expensive to get or whatever. Uh, but uh, if he was to come and 
can, we could get him relatively easily, which I don't think we could. But if we could, yeah, I'd be very mm. glad to have him. He, he did extend at Gold Coast, um, which is fine. That doesn't necessarily mean anything, but um, he did commit to them, uh, um, which shows a little bit of loyalty on his behalf. Um, look, so we've got some other things going on at the Crows. Obviously, Billy Frampton has been talked about as pretty much uh, signed, sealed and delivered to Collingwood. Uh, you would expect what, Mac? Third round? Future third. 30, yeah, third. Yeah, yeah no, I think they're talking future third. I'd, we'd really like, like to get a third because we're so light on draft picks and we've got a situation where, uh, you know, we've got a father-son situation that we would like to get hold of. I mean, once we've got, once five is gone, but 23 is our first pick and if we can get something back from the Gold Coast, whatever that is, that's we're mm. probably going to be around the 50 mark. So it, it leaves us in a bit of a, a pick of a situation. We need another pick in that range. The other pick is 81, and that means nothing. You don't get any points from uh, pick 81. Mm, mm. So, so we've got a situation we really do need, uh, not a future third. I, I wouldn't mind betting if we've got a future third, we try and trade it into a pick. Um, so Adelaide would be trying to get possibly two picks if it's possible around the, the 40-odd mark. Yeah. Well, it doesn't look like there's any takers for Fisher McCasey, McCasey. Well, yeah, you're right. That doesn't mean to say there won't be. At the moment, what tends to happen is that the big fish all go and uh, then there's a a bit of a – well, sometimes you get the little fish first, then you get the big fish, and then – there's a late fish when somebody thinks, well, he wouldn't be too bad. We've got to so the fish of Macassie is a late fish? Is that what we're saying? Yes. <laughs> Just by coincidence. <laughs> it, it, took a, it took a long while to get to that punchline, mate. Sorry. <laughs> well, yeah. And look, um, <laughs> look, I'm not saying there will be, but it's possible. Um, Shoal, I thought that. Somebody would be interested. Just in on Fisher, and, uh, sorry, sorry, Mac. Just before you move on, just on Fisher, um, with us getting rid of Frampton, uh, do you think it would be in our best interest to hang on to Fish? Yeah, I do actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah I do. So, uh, I, yeah, there was only just there was some talk about him, but that was Carlton, and then they've already said. Um, <laughs> I'm making somebody hungry talking about Fisher all the time. Um, <laughs> Um, no, I'd keep him. Uh, Shoal, I'd trade him if I could get something for him, but um, there doesn't seem to be anybody now, out there now. Uh, no, we'll see. Carlton, Carlton got Blake Akers for that wing spot. Which killed that interest, yeah. Yeah, I think that's, so, what, I think that's what happened there. The, the interesting one is uh, Rowe. There was talk about him going to the Bulldogs and... I mean, that's what that's the type of one that might go through as a very late he, pick. Yeah. He will he will go to the Bulldogs as a delisted free agent, Mac. Well, that's how if I was him, that's how I'd be trying to get him. But, um, There's uh, no one pays a pick for Jimmy Rowe. Well, no. Um, yeah, well, we look. We're in a situation. We're in a bit of a pickle thing because of the fact that at the moment. Um, We've got three picks, five, 81. But we've actually, um, we started off the, at, sorry, at the very end of the season, once the game had all been played, because we'd 
added Turner onto our list. We were actually one over our uh, maximum allocated players. Mm -hmm. So when Brown retired, uh, that only just made up for Turner being on the list. So we're in in a situation, and then then we bring in Rankin, and we're one over. And we've got no – in other words, if we wanted to have three trade picks, we would have to get rid of, once Rankin comes in, four players. Well, so, you, would think uh, that, you would think that Ben Davis and Jimmy Rowe are two. Yeah, Brampton right. going yeah. Is, is your third. Is your third. And, and the one that we would could, one that I was hoping might do it is Crouch. Yeah. Now, well, uh, there's allegedly some, talk, some interest in uh uh, I think Rick's Crouch, who said that there's been talk with, by three clubs talking to him, but at this stage he was his preference was to stay in Adelaide. But uh, if we're not going to play, we should be getting rid of him. Well, he's on a two-year, he's on the second year of a two-year deal, Mac. No, I'm talking about by trade. Yeah, but I mean, like you can only trade if you've got a willing trade partner. That's true. Uh, it's all. This is what makes me laugh about these sort of conversations. Like we should trade him or him, him or him or him. Well, what if no one wants him? No one oh, wanted. No one wanted Matty Crouch last year when he was a free agent. For goodness' sake. So yeah, but he why is anyone? Well, he hadn't played for the year before. Yeah, well, he didn't actually do much to improve his stocks this year, did he? Um, I feel sorry for him because I mean he is a, he is a. A good ball getter. It's just the problem is that he doesn't do enough with it. But I mean, he, he yeah. has no trouble finding the ball. Yeah. Well, um, I think he might. If he goes anywhere, he might end up at West Coast. I think. Ah, oh, sorry, that was the one club that was showed, was showing some interest. But I, I'd take whatever we can get for him just to take him off the uh, list, which uh, creates a, a vacancy. And also would take the salary off as well. Yeah. Now we had, uh, do we have, was Seed on the long-term injury list last year? He was, yep. Are you sure about that? Yep. Or was it I Sloan? No, see, both. Both. We had two on. We're, we're right, okay. So that's because Seedsman's obviously, Seedsman's obviously the other one. Well, the I question is... Well, it depends. If I mean, uh, he's contracted, um, and yeah, but we just pay him out. It, yeah, well, if we've got a situation that he's not physically capable of playing because of his head, uh, you know, the yeah. uh, headaches from the yeah. concussion. Yeah, I mean, if he's playing and he's at it, you know, and he's at his best, he adds a lot to our side because he, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not Disputing that for a second, Macca. I'm just saying that the lads had 12 months out of the game due to concussion. Um, I just can't see that he would return. I mean, I know that Paddy McCartan is one that has come back. Um, but I don't know. It's a stretch, isn't it? Well, they had different players in different positions. McCartan managed it by going from being a forward where you get your head punched all the time uh, mm. to going into the back lines where you punch heads instead. Mm. Uh, and he, he got through the season unharmed. So 
that was a quite a brilliant move, uh, putting me into the back line because he's got a lot of talent, a lot of ability, great, and he's a very strong mark, etc. Speeds, unfortunately, is in a situation where he can't play in a position where he comes from behind, unless you play like at a half-back flank. But even then, you still can get crunched from behind. Um, well, and let's not forget, it. This another misnomer about concussion. It's not all about impact, Mac. It's about your head getting shaken, right? Yeah. Uh, apparently, yeah. the knock that C's got wasn't like a big hit. It was relatively innocuous. And C's hasn't had a lot of concussions. Not like McCartan, who had about bloody 10 of them. He right? did, yeah. Um, you know, so... And we saw, um, you know, with Tommy Lynch. Tommy Lynch used to worry me um, because he'd take a bump, not to the head, but just a normal bump, go to ground, and it'd take him a while to shake that off. You know, uh, Young Hammer was another one um, that doesn't cope well with with uh, lateral head movement. Um, you know, as Vardy points out in the track, he's, he's over 30 as well. Um I mean, I look. I wish Seed uh, all the best, and if he's recovered to the extent that he can play, but we haven't heard anything come out of the club about him whatsoever. And Amazingly, my, no. my, my well, and that points to me that it's more than likely that he'll retire and be paid out. Well, well, it, they would would be uh, more of a benefit for Adelaide if he did that before October the 31st because then that, because that payment then would go into this year. Yeah. Well, they're probably, you know, because I don't even think they can re-rookie him now. I think that rule's changed. Um, I don't uh, think you can take someone from the senior list and I think you can delist them and then re-rookie them, but you can't drop someone from your senior list directly to your rookie list. I think that's how it works now. You cert- um, they change it so you certainly can't do it before the trade period. Mm. And I think I think there is a gap of time after the trade period that you can actually do it. Thing. Yeah, so I wouldn't. Maybe. Actually- I don't know. It changes all the bloody time. I know. It's that's why I wouldn't actually bet my life savings on it. <laughs> yeah. So look, uh, you know, in any event, without carrying on about that, because it's all speculation, and like I said, I. I I would be more than pleased for Paul and for the club if he was able to make a successful return, but it's not looking promising. So that that frees up a spot. You've got Lukey Brown, as you, as you mentioned, uh, Billy Frampton as well. Um, so there's three. We've got to elevate two rookies, don't we, this year? Um, th- no, we don't. We, um, no, we, we don't. Well, you really sure just look at you look at it as a, we don't have to elevate them, do we? I'm pretty sure we do. Why do you think we have to? Well, because they've for the period of, only allowed to be rookies for a certain amount of time. Three years. They added, next, uh, they added yeah. an extra year last year, but that's, I, I fell in, I was having this discussion on Big Footy during the week and I was corrected correctly. Well, I went okay. back and read the rule. That was only a COVID thing, and there's been nothing mentioned about it this year, but I, I'm 100% sure that it's back to the three years maximum now. Okay, let's, let's just assume that's right. Uh, but so that's that doesn't Strawn matter. And, Strawn and um, 
Who's the other one? Geordie um, uh, Bats, I think. It is Bats, yeah. Um, but did it, you allowed to have 42 players, not counting mm-hmm. the Category B players, and that mm-hmm. can be made up of 36 and 6, or it can mm-hmm. be made up of 38 and 4, or 37 and 5. So, um, yeah. I'm sure they can juggle that around. I don't think that's the problem, Fane. The problem is more the fact is we're going to, as I say, if we're going to have three draft picks and we bring in Rankin, we've got to get rid of four players. And uh, I think the obvious Frantman going is one, Rowe and Davis is is, uh, uh, two. And whether Turner survives, uh, that's three. And if Turner survives, it's going to depend on perhaps maybe Crouch uh, getting taken up by West Coast or some other club. So if, let's say, none of those players that we've got contracted are taken up, then Turner won't get a a Guernsey either. Uh, No, that's right. I think he's... I think Rowe and Turner, if you want to count rookies, uh, are the only... They're the only two that aren't contracted so far? Or oh, I'm Benny Davis, obviously. Um, uh, our, rookie li- our rookie list, counting the Cat Bs. Um, well, you don't don't worry about the Cat Bs. They're, they're neither here nor there. Yeah, take them out. Um, oh, Parnell's a rookie, isn't he? Parnell's drawn. Butts, Murray, um, Davis, Turner, and Turner. Yep. But they they can actually elevate two up and uh, only have four rookies. So that's not the problem. The problem is just going to be who we delist. And um, somebody says Brown, Frampton, Davis, and Rowe, but they've forgotten the fact that we've added one on in Turner. So um, Turner was an extra uh, because you had we had a player going on to the permanent uh, injury list. So mm. that yep. at the end of the year, you've got to either uh, sign them up and get rid of another player or get rid of them. Yeah. So at the moment, well, I mean, I'm sure they'll work that out. Um, the point being that we're only going to take three. We have to take three in the draft, don't we? So. Um... Yes, we can. We can also do that. Well, you can also do that by um, uh, using one those picks to upgrade a rookie to uh, the main list. That's correct. So, I mean, they 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 can get around it. It's just a matter of they've got to just make the spot. Yeah, that's what they've got. I guess the interesting thing from my point of view is that they've obviously drawn a line um, regarding. Matthias Philippi, which surprises me a little bit. Disappointingly, yes. Um, a bit of scuttlebutt around his attitude as well. That you, you know, who do you who do you believe on on those situations? Um, but um, um, clearly, uh, because we won't get like you know, it would have been a reach to take him at five. But I rec- I don't reckon he'll get past eight or nine. Um, or you know, ten maybe. Uh, so he, uh, unless we're doing something that hasn't been publicised at all, um, we're out of the first round. So we won't be we won't be looking at Mattis. And 
unfortunately, um, Mattis is one of those big-bodied midfielders that we'd so dearly like. Mm, he's a good size and good player, so... Um, nice left leg. Yeah. Just on our list, uh, yeah, one of the sad things is when you look at some of the players that we've still got contracted, um, you've got McAsee, you've got Crouch, uh, Murphy, Cook didn't have a good year, Miller is... Miller a tradable person? Um, oh, 100% Miller is a tradable person. 100%. Yep. Well, I, I would be, but um, I just raised it. Uh, Himmelberg and McPherson, I mean, he's contracted and he's of no real value to us at the moment, but he's contracted. And we've got Scholl and we, we're not playing. So um, <laughs> PJ Crows has been a bit more blunt than me. He said we have a lot of dead set spuds on our list. So... <laughs> Um, well, some of those that you've named, like some some of the, I'm not as, yeah, look, let's not forget that Lockie Scholl was uh, the dog's nuts in his his rookie year. You know, and he's fallen in a bit of a hole, but how how many players do fall in a bit of a a hole early in their career? Harry Schoenberg's another one. My shoulder's a little bit different, Fane. Um, he he's a very good footballer in terms of, of uh, footy skills, um, and he can get the ball. But what he fell out of favour very heavily in one game where where he did one of the softest pikes you've ever seen a player do, and yeah. uh, he got he got dropped after that game, and he never uh, he got he did come back for one more game, and unfortunately did a bit of a pike in that game as well, and and that's. I mean, that's not the way Nick likes pay, uh, the players to go. So it's really, as they're saying, like put his hair and in for the ball, blah, 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 all that type of stuff. He's uh, an outside player and sometimes he really pikes it when he should be going in. It's very true. He, but, he's got talent. but he's got talent, mate. That's the problem. He's got talent. Yeah. Um, so what I'm saying and- is that you don't write those players off straight up, right? Um, you know, the ball is certainly in Lockie Scholl's court with regards to being able to um, um, bounce back and um, put his hand up and make himself a worthwhile team member. And, God, you'd love him to be on the outside um, delivering the ball into the forward line. Just just the same as the guy before him, Rory Atkins, you know, when he was able to get on the end of a few and deliver, he was fantastic value. Look at look at the career that Isaac Smith has been able to forge for himself um, at Hawthorne and Geelong. He's a dual premiership player now, Isaac Smith. And Geelong specifically went after him so that he could deliver to their two forwards. Right? There is value for those sorts of players. But you're right, Macca, they've got to be able to go when it's their turn to go. And that's what Lockie's yeah. got to bring to the table. He's got, and that's what Rory Atkins couldn't bring to the table. You know, not instinctively ball getters, but are able to go when they go, when they need to go. So that's what Lockie's got to bring. Um, you know, um, Braden Cook. Ter- people are terribly harsh on Braden Cook. The second year in the system, he was very, very raw to come in in the first place. He's ultra talented. Uh, and people are like writing him off for God's sake. Oh no, I'm no, not not writing how, him off. No, he just how, had a, he, but he had a he, well, he, he had a poor year. Compared. But it's it's his second year. Look how long it's taken Josh Warrell to come on. 
Josh Worrell looked all at sea in his debut game. He did, he did. He really looked lost. But in uh, that one-off game that he played, but, gee, he really did play well when he came in this time. So you're right. A year can make a big difference later. to him. Yeah. Absolutely. You and get them playing a year amongst men. You get a year's worth of conditioning into them. You get them feeling confident and, like, as if they belong. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of people very quick to write off players and you know, call them spuds and call them useless and all the rest of it. Players don't get to be the best 600 players in in the country if they haven't got a bit of something, right? And they're not not all players need to be stars, right? If you go back and have a look at our premiership years and every premiership team since, you'll find a, a lot of workhorse players that bob up when they need to. Yep. You don't need no a team full that. of stars. And... You know, we've got some players on our list who are very much like that. And we do have some players that have shown class. You know, um, Saligo shows class. Joshua Shelley has shown class in patches. Um, we've seen glimpses from Lockie Gallant, although he tailed off a little bit. And again, you know, second-year blues for Lockie. Um, Harry Schoenberg has shown a little bit of class at times and just needs to, to tidy up his preparation. Um, you know, there's lots of players that we have on our list that have shown something. Lukey Pedler has shown something and just needs to get his body right. There's a lot of ifs around our, around our squad, but by the same token, I'm not as quick as many to write them off as, as a bunch of spuds. No, I, I'm not saying that. Uh, there are players there that you would prefer not to be on the list, though, think. And I'm not saying all the names that I said there, but I'm just saying these are the ones that have a question mark in the sense of their, um, their value to us in the sense that like Crouch is a question mark. Murphy well, is a question I, mark. Well, look, let's talk about blokes like Jones and McHenry and Lockie Murphy and all the rest of it, right? And the one thing that those players were able to show is that they were able to take the contest, Right. So yeah, yeah, my, no. my, my, my question to you is, if you didn't play those players, who were you going to play? Well, Because a lot, we of the lad, a lot of the lads, I'm talking about McHenry, Jones, uh, Lockie I, Murphy, I, 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 I even Jason Rowe to an extent. Uh, what I'm, what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is, Macca, maybe those players needed to be played based on our list profile and where some of their their replacements were in their own development. And just because they were played doesn't necessarily mean they're part of Nix's long-term plan. But where we are in our list development, they were the best players to play based on their ability to take hard knocks and run out a game of AFL football. That's what I'm saying. Well, I don't think anybody could argue with what you just said then. So, so you know, you're just because... Going... Sorry, go you're on. Always going to be playing, you're always going to be playing... Uh, every team is always playing some lesser players in the sense that um, that their, their structure is they've got good players in most positions, but there's always going to be those three or four positions where uh, you've got players playing on the skin of their teeth and they have to play well. Otherwise, they've got a similar type player that's in playing in the twos that will take their place. And that's they are your Murphys and your McHenrys, et cetera. 
I, I guess my argument is this, Maka. So we've got we've got a kid called Parnell in the team who who's a small defender, very good skills, you know, quite quick, all the rest of it. And then we've got a lad called Chase Jones who's been in the system longer, he's also quick, um, has good skills but poor decision-making um, and often goes missing. Now, I'm sure that of the two of them, they probably think that Parnell's got a better chance of making it in the long term. But who's the best choice today? Today, the best choice is Chase Jones because he's more physically developed, he's been in the system longer and he's got more experience. So what I'm saying is that Parnell might be their longer term who they think is going to fill that small defender role, but right now, to put him in that role would kill him. So you play Chase Jones. And I think a lot of people think that just because we put games into players like McHenry and whatnot, that indicates that Nix thinks they're the long-term solution. And I put it to you and to our listeners, and I could be wrong as well, but this is an alternative point of view, that just because they're getting played now doesn't mean that they're necessarily Nix's number one choice. It may be the only choice he has based on our current list profile. Well, that's always a possibility um, because you may have good players injured too. That then, hundred uh, um, percent. So, so then you got then you do have to play them. So you've really always got to have um, you have twenty two on the field, but you really need to have a thirty that you can use, and those other eight will be um, hopefully spread across all the positions. You know, and uh, and so you get players battling for that position, and and then then. Their main chance of getting a game, and like, like Lockie Gallant's one of those, and um, other players that, that are playing in the twos, that um, their chance of getting a game is going to depend on a McHenry or a Murphy getting injured or having bad form, etc. So yeah. you are quite right. You're always going to be playing some of them, unless yeah. you uh, much a premier. I mean, Geelong have they're the premier, and they had less of those type of players, if any, lot of that. So you know, the more players you got like that, the lower, <laughs> lower on the ladder you're going to be too. Yeah. So, you know, and I, I think the club, rightly or wrongly, um, thinks um, that they need to consolidate the players that are on their list at the moment, get some more games into certain key players. I suggest another season into Saligo, uh, Rochelle, uh, Schomburg, you know, um, um, get Zach Taylor into the mix if we can, you know, those sort of, you know, a bit more of Gallant, um, more into Worrell. Um, you know that that's a that's a, ch- a fair chunk of your team, Mac. Um, and then I would suggest that f- over the next couple of years, it'll be more about trading in players. You know, and it'll be trading in players to upgrade blokes like Lockie Murphy or Ned McHenry or Chase Jones or you know someone like that, or replace a, a Rory Sloan. Um, you know, because if you just continually go to the draft all the time, you end up being like Gold Coast, where you end up yep. with a, high, a whole bunch of highly played juniors, highly paid ju- juniors, I should say, and you don't have a good enough mix. Now, we've known for a couple of years, because we've done our squad analysis at the end of each season, we've known for a couple of years that our squad profile has been all wrong. You know, a big scoop out of the middle of our age profile. We've got a lot of young kids and we've got a lot of mature age and not much in between. So the club has to address that and that just takes time, you know. 
Um, and I think getting another season or so into some of those lads like Peddler, etc., um, and actually finding out what they can do with 50 games under their belt, like we've done now with Chase Jones and, and Lockie Murphy and a few others, um, it allows us then to see, all right, well, who do we need to trade for? Well, that's the next question I was going to ask you, me, in the sense that um, I think our forward line is as good as any other forward line in the competition in terms of Potentially. Potentially. And, and a lot of it is potential, but if you look at also in terms of actual as well, uh, there's yeah. a lot of talent there. And we brought in Rankin as, uh, who hopefully will do some a bit of on-ball work as well. But in terms of uh, talent up forward, I just think we've – as a club, should be very happy with what we've got. In terms of uh, midfield, we've got what I would call um, a medium midfield. Um, we've got players that are on. I mean, Laird plays very, very well. He gets a, gets a lot of the ball, um, <clears throat> and then we've got a few young lads that are, that are on the rise. But we're not we're not quite there. I don't think in the midfield, and I don't think we're quite there in defence. So where I was building up to there with, with that. Let's assume that we've got pick 23 and somehow we've managed to get in, say, a pick 40 and a pick 50. Um, we're obviously going to take uh, McElhenney, and, I, and I'm not sure where, where he's going to uh, come. And he might, he might be as early as the pick 23 we might have to use. Uh, um, I think he'll be in the 30s. Well, if he's in the let's say he is in the 30s, and... What would you be using to pick 23 on, Fleen? Would you be looking for a mid? Would you be looking for a defender? Um, I haven't had a close enough look at the at the players available at the draft, but if I if let's just say that all types were available... Yeah, um, that's a theoretical I'd, question on that basis, yeah. Yeah, I'd be looking for another midfielder because I don't think you can have too many midfielders on your list particularly in our current situation where we're still not... Our midfield is not settled. No, it's not. You know, I, uh, I would suggest that... I, I would suggest that we've got a couple of pieces of our midfield settled, Mac. I think that, um, you know... And this all depends on the fact that they... Uh, depends on whether they continue to trend the way they've been trending. But I think Sam Berry is going to be a, a mainstay of our midfield for the next 10 years... Um, mm-hmm. Jake's Jake Saligo is uh, shown that he can hold down a midfield role, in my opinion. Uh, oh, but, then we've got, but then we've got the jury out on quite a few. Right, the ju- jury is out on Schoenfeld. The jury is out on Lukey Pedler. Um, you know, we don't know whether Joshua Shelley will be able to have stints in the midfield. Although the times that he did run through the midfield, he looked good. Uh, same goes for Isaac. Same goes for Isaac Rankin, assuming he comes into the mix. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, even if they went like twenty eighty, like twenty in the mid and eighty up forward, and it's still forty uh, percent added out of some very quick little players. Yeah, well, I remember saying a few weeks ago, um, uh, Schomburg, sorry. <laughs> um, I remember saying a few weeks ago that I think what's going to be most important next season um, for our club and for Matthew Nix is to see whether 
our style of play changes because I think that's actually the key element, Maka. We need to be able to change from a hard-hitting, ball-gathering team to a team that can transition the ball better um, and run the ball better. At the moment, we're all about effort, right? And that often with young teams, developing teams, it's all about effort to start off with. Um, if you look at the teams that Paul Rees has developed, it starts with defensive pressure and effort around the contest, right? And then you get a little yep. bit of finesse after that. And I think Matthew Nix has done that. He's developed us into a team that rarely gives up, that always provides a contest, um, and, is, and is very good at, at scrapping, right? But... In order for us to take the next step, we now need to be able to get some uh, silk into into the way we play to be able to move the ball quickly on the outside and to be able to deliver better. Um, and if we go through the first you know, half a dozen rounds of next season and we're still playing this stra- scrappy contested game, I, I think that will be a real red flag um, in terms of what Nix's next stage of his development plan is because I think now is the time for some of these players to be able to um, you know take that next step in their development to be able to move the ball a little bit uh, better and with a little bit more um, aggression in terms of how we move the ball rather than at the contest Yeah um, I can't argue with that uh, and I think really that that starts more from your back lines than your half back line thing we really, we we really need a, a a brilliant distributor off the half back line. I don't think we do. I think we've got a few of those. Well, um, you you'd be talking about whom? Well, Geordie Dawson has shown that he can distribute off half back. Mitch Hinge is a very good distributor off half back. Um, a, Parnell uh, can move the ball off halfback. Chase Jones can move the ball off halfback. Yeah, I How guess so. How many do you want? Uh, How many do you want? As many as you need to win the, win the bloody game. Um, yeah, I know, but you can only play six down back. Oh, yeah, and I think we won tall short down there as well. No, I don't think so. Butts and Murray are fine. Well, that's what you're pinning your hopes on then, you know, the Butts-Murray-Duday combination. And Worrell. Oh, oh, I've got that Worrell. You've got Worrell as well. Yeah. I, I don't think we're in bad shape down back. I actually don't think we're in bad shape down back. So you, you, you're saying it's the mids we really need? Well, I think it's outside players that we need. And that's why I'm not... That's why I'm hesitant to discard Lockie Scholl because we need players that can run through the middle of the ground, Macca. We need players that can provide options through the middle of the ground so that we can change lanes, so that we can hit those diagonals. You know, at the moment we're just up and down the line. Our switching is very slow. Um, You know, we're all about holding the ball in. Um, and try to win through, you know, winning stoppage clearances, etc., and just bundling the ball forward. You know, I think we need a little bit more around that. I think Jake Saligo can provide some of that. I also think potentially Lockie Scholl can provide some of that. 
And I also think a bloke like Harry Schoenberg can supply some of that as well. But they need they need more time to develop, and they need a game plan that promotes it. Now, a bloke yeah, like I, Harry I, Schoenberg, for example, he needs to build a tank. He needs to be able to get into as many dangerous spots as possible because if he gets the ball in space, we've seen that he can use it creatively. Under pressure, he's suspect. You know, when he's asked well, to get the ball inside, he's suspect. But give him a little bit of space, um, and he's a good distributor of the ball and can be very dangerous. So, well, you've sort of stolen my lines here because I was going to raise him and just hope that he can actually uh, spend his time not on other things but just getting as fit as he possibly can because he could be a good weapon because of the very reason that you just said. I mean, Chad in the chat says Schoenberg's distribution is average in his opinion. I, I want you to cast your mind back to the first year and the reason we were getting so ups, uh, excited about Harry was his ability to put the ball to the advantage of his teammates on a regular basis. You know, that was a regular feature of his game, particularly by hand, his ability to put the ball into the to the advantage of, of, a, of a teammate. Now, he's lost that a little bit, and I think a lot of that is because of um, uh, his lack of fitness. And I hope that he's uh, committed to his football career over the pre-season and uh, he's able to strip a bit fitter next year because the more often Harry can make himself dangerous to play against, the more valuable he'll become for us. And at the moment, I don't know whether Harry necessarily is giving us 100%. Well, that's where I was heading to with Harry, and uh, and I think that he let himself down quite a bit last year because I think he showed a real lot in his first year, and he should have gone up to another level last year. But you could see that he wasn't didn't have that fitness base that he should have had. Um, yeah, but and, a, a country boy in his second year of footy again, Matt, you're expecting a lot from a kid. No, I you just expect him to improve a bit more um, than he did. Um, a lot of a lot of kids don't don't progress or they actually go backwards in their second year. It's not unusual. Okay, but I I, I still think he there are reasons why he didn't go quite as well as he should have as well. Oh, um, absolutely, and we all know what they are. No doubt about it. Not no not disputing that at all, Mac. Uh, and that's what I mean. He needs to commit to his football career. Yeah, well, that's um, what I was going to. You know, I mean, I, I said that three times, I think. But if you want to say it again, go right ahead. No, you can say yours again too. <laughs> so, you know, and you know, uh, Nan Curvis is another one in the twos that could be anything. Um, really improved during the course of the year and, again, was one that was quite raw. We took him late and, you know, didn't have a lot of footy, but he, he's made every post a winner. And, I, you know, I think... Um, I think he shouldn't be forgotten when we're talking about future possibilities uh, because he provides a little bit of X factor and if he can get his tank up as well, um, he's another player that uh, could be very valuable on the outside and also uh, hitting up. Oh, I think he's got enormous potential, that lad. Um, I mean, he's a, he's a nice size and he's got good pace. At this stage, you know, he needs to build more body on him. But... Um, uh, you know, he's a nice kick as well. I, I think I, I really liked him. I, you know, I watched him uh, playing in the finals and uh, I thought to myself, he's, he's, he's definitely um, 
he'll make a great wingman, I think, down in the long term. I, yeah, I think he's. I think he's got a lot of talent. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that at all, and I hope his he can continue to progress. Um, the one that I'm keen to see in the ones to see how he goes, uh, even though again he's he's quite short, is Zach Taylor. Um, at times he was brilliant uh, in the twos in the second half of the season, um, and I, I would like to see how he goes. Again, not necessarily a silky outside player, but he's got such good footy IQ, Mac. Oh, I, I like him. I like him a lot. I I think he's got a, he's got a good footy career ahead of him too. He, I definitely think he's going to make the grade as well. It's a pity he's small, but but you know um, he's in and under player. He can uh, he's very uh, he's got good pace. He uses the ball pretty well. No, I liked him. Yeah, Jed's right. They did uh, pay attention to him in the finals, particularly after the first final against uh, was it Norwood? Yeah, the, I yeah, think. Yeah. I think that the second game um, they really sat on him a bit, um, which was a feather in his cap. For a young kid. Um, Peddler obviously is the one, um, Mac. <clears throat> you see Luke Peddler play uh, when he's running on top of the ground and you think, by goodness me, he could be anything. Um, he, he's got it all. It's just a matter of him yeah. staying fit and putting it all together because, I mean, he's kicking it. He's beautiful. And he's, uh, you know, he's got good hands. He could be a... A real gun player if he just gets everything, uh, get the whole act together. You know, he fitness, um, content, continuity of playing games, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Because um, some players haven't got it, he has. It's just a matter of us being able to keep him on the park, and, and so he can get it out of him. He actually, um, <clears throat> pardon me. He actually reminds me a little bit about uh, a little bit of Jack Viney when Jack Viney was. A similar age, that real powerful player that can just burst through and and use that left leg. That's that's who he reminds me of. Oh, it's a magnificent it's a left leg. I mean, some of those goals he kicked in the finals were superb. Yeah. So you know, I, I think the club will be hoping like hell that he comes on and he's able to keep uh, himself on the on the deck. Uh, and I'm sure that Burgess has made a special case out of him. Um. So, look, I guess all that discussion uh, is basically to underpin my own view, and uh, you might have a different view. Mac and the people in the chat might have a different view, um, that the club is probably justified just to sit and hold this year on the squad, in my opinion, um, because there are a few players that they probably don't have an answer to yet. Well... I think to a certain degree you're right, and I mean the uh, practice of adding a class player each year. I mean, adding last year we actually added two class players, um, mm-hmm. and adding Rankin this year. I mean that that is a when you've got a, an up and coming team and you think that they are the nucleus of a team, and you but then you throw a bit of class in there. Well, that raises the team up pretty quickly, and uh, so I, I think the the process is right. Um, Unfortunately, in the process, what actually happens is because you cover your bases, you try, you know, you contract as many as you can, you're going to make some errors along the way. And I think, you know, sitting in our list, there are two or three there that probably shouldn't be there. But that's 
uh, having a crack at the club for not get being 100% perfect. No club's 100% perfect. Mm. Yeah. So I think we are, you know, we are definitely on the right track, as you were saying. Yeah, I think there are a lot of things that we needed to address when when the shit hit the fan a couple of years ago, Mac. You know, the, the age profile that we've spoken about, um, getting some class young players onto the list and giving them some exposure, and then having so many young players on our list that you've got to make choices about how much you expose them and, and, and which ones can take it, and which is why we've seen blokes like Lockie Murphy and, and, and those lads probably get more than you would otherwise expect. So... I, I think it's actually been a difficult job and I don't know um, that they've got everything right. Um, certainly at times we've been critical about selection. Um, but, you know, I don't... By the same token, when you actually look at it in retrospect, they probably pretty much got it right during the course of the season in terms of how many games they gave individual players, wouldn't you think, in retrospect? Well, you know, I think they did a reasonably good job. We had games where we it just didn't all fire. But in most games, I'd say that, you know, that they didn't let themselves down. They may not have been as good as the other team, but they, they did give 100% of what they had. So um, I think the style of game uh, plan that uh, Nixon's got is very justifiable given the team that we've got. And uh, that that game plan can be refined uh, to be have a little bit more uh, flair and class about it as you add mm. classy player. But yeah. uh, we've probably still one or two more away from before we can actually go all the way with it. Well, it's not only that too, Mac, but sometimes you've just got to, um, you, you can't, you, you've got to be able to crawl before you can walk. And if, if you're trying to coach too much into a, a new group too quickly, you're going to lose them. And I think, again, you know, you look back at the successful teams of Paul Rose and, you know, he did, did it with Sydney and he did it with Melbourne as well, you know, it built it around defensive action um, and then put ball movement on top of that. Um, you wouldn't... I, would, I wouldn't call either Sydney or Melbourne classy teams. They have classy players, but I wouldn't call them classy teams... But I would call uh, Melbourne maybe not so much this year, but certainly in their premiership season, very reliable teams, very consistent teams, and uh, every player knew their role. And I think that's the type of squad that Knicks is building. Um, we will have some classy players, but I don't... Th you know, you look at the flashy teams like Western Bulldogs, and, you know... That can often get up, come undone real quick, can't it? Because you know, Western Bulldogs don't have a lot of defensive action to their play. It's a very interesting concept. When you look at the Bulldogs, they've got probably more uh, individual stars, uh, certainly in their midfield, than any other team. Um, but they don't win. They don't. Well, they didn't have, win too many games, you know. But they don't, they don't get the reward for the class that they've got. Uh, because of the way they play, or, and also because of the, where they lack certain positional players, they've always concentrated on getting midfield, 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 and yeah. and that's been at the expense of winning games ultimately, because they yeah. just haven't got uh, a good defence and they haven't got uh, a supreme attack. And whereas, I think when you were talking about Melbourne before, I mean, they had a a complete team 
uh, not necessarily all being stars, but they were all on the same page at how they were going to play the game. Yep, and, 100%. And they had, so you mean some of their players there, um, are average player means they had some star players and they had some medium players and average players, but it doesn't matter. If a player that was number 21 or 22 on the list, he was still playing the same style of footy. And so if they got a player injured, they'd somebody slip in, and that's why they were so good all year. Uh, last year, it didn't. They had a few hiccups, and it just didn't quite work for them. But you would, I think they got. A, I think they attitude was a problem last year for Melbourne. I think you might see them bounce back pretty hard next year. Yeah, you could well be right. Um, Geelong, you know, for the first eighty eight nine games of the year, I thought no, they can't win the flag. But then I think their coach realised that he's got a lot of talent out there, and he's not using it correctly. And he did change his game plan, and I didn't think he'd ever be as good enough to do that, but he did, and he changed it into a game plan that they all bought into, and and in the end, they were just unbeatable, and um, they recruited players for, for specific roles, and uh, they all did their role. You mentioned Smith from uh, Hawthorne. He was an absolute weapon on that wing, yep. and, move, and the thing before they suffered from was a lack, from, lack of quick movement of the ball, but that's what they changed. And once they and, did and that... Let's and not, let's not forget with, with Geelong, they did it for half a season without much Dangerfield. You know, they managed yeah. Dangerfield pretty hard during the season. Selwood, um, you know, spent time okay. off the ball. I, I guess the point is, uh, the point I think we're both trying to make, is that we don't need a team of stars. What we need is a team that complements itself on each line and a group yep. of players that are all singing from the same hymn book. And I think I think Nick's, by and large, has got stage one right. And as I've mentioned now a couple of times, I think the, the big test for Matthew Nix as a coach and our playing group individually and, and together is to be able to take that next step and to be able to turn defensive action into attack because I think it was probably our biggest downfall was our ability to transition the ball um, and be dangerous going forward instead of up and down the line and, you know, kicking long to 45 metres out. Uh, whenever we did hit up targets and move the ball through the middle of the ground, we looked bloody good. We didn't have the fitness or probably the, the capacity, the enough players um, capable of doing it. So I think that's the next step for this squad. Yeah, yeah. Uh- now, definitely, I'd like to see after the opposition have kicked a point that we don't just automatically always go out to the right half. Back into the right. Back into the right, yeah. Every but, you know, so, I mean, and we could we could be talking shit. They, they might not have the ability. Knicks might want to play that game style. Who knows? But that's the way I see it at the moment. I, I feel like... I feel like we're at the end of stage one of this rebuild. We've got probably 80% of our squad right, maybe 85% of our squad right. Um, we've got some players that need to prove themselves after another season. Um, and our our list profile is probably much better now than what it was two, three years ago. Um, so, you know, and I think the proof after next year will probably dictate where the club goes in terms of draft or trade but I wouldn't mind betting that over the next couple of seasons we go a little bit harder at the free agency market and at the trade market at the expense of the draft I think you're right Ben and I think it's an excellent summary of where you 
I thought you'd put us exactly where we, where we are at at the moment. And um, if you, the free, you know, the free agency market and possibly the trade market is where we're going to get those uh, pop up players of quality that we need, just yeah. in the and, and to get an and to get yeah, and to get a, sort of an even spread of them around the ground as well. That's very important as well, so that you know you've got quality on each line. And uh, yeah, I, I think Nick's has got a good long-term plan and uh, I'm not well, saying that we're going to go, go, go roaring up the ladder next year, but I, I, I think we can finish uh, just outside the eight next year. Well, it's hard to know what Nix's long-term plan is because we haven't seen it yet, Mac. So let's not jump the gun. We're kind of making um, uh, optimistic hypotheticals here. <laughs> Um, because a couple of people in the chat have said, how do we judge Nick's going forward? And, uh, you know, Jad in the chat says, if we, if we finish bottom four, uh, Nick's goes. I think if we were to finish bottom four next year, Nick's would be under a lot of pressure, don't you? Oh, no, he'd be dead. If we went, if we were bottom four, I think he'd be dead. Unless there were absolutely huge extenuating circumstances, like 12 players of quality down injured or something like that. But, but if we had all our players well and we finished uh, in bottom four, we, we would have to move him on. Yeah, I think the time now has come where we can genuinely start um, judging the team and Nix as a coach uh, by by the scoreboard, by the by the by the ladder. Um, I don't think we need to play for picks. You know, I think we need to play for, for results now. Um, and I think next year, all things being equal and with the trajectory of a few other teams, um, we should be hovering around, uh, you know, I would think 8 to 12 next year with probably about 10 wins. That would be my projection. Yeah, um, that's in the, that's where I was heading to, around about pick 10 is something like that. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, that would be that a would pass, be as far as I'm concerned. Yep, and uh, that would need somewhere maybe 10, 11 wins. So um, yeah. not quite half the game, but, you know, uh, yeah, I'd say if we got 10 wins and we finished around 10th, I'd say that we are, our progress is, is in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rabbit in the chat says we still don't have a face of the franchise midfielder. That's very true. If we have a look at some other teams in terms of their face of their franchise, if you look at Geelong, you know, it's probably been Selwood slash Danger for the last few. Um, Carlton obviously has Cripps and, and Walsh. Um, you know, uh, Brisbane has uh, Lockie Neal. Um, is it necessary to have a face of a franchise, Mac, to be a contender? Um if you want to be a contender for a premiership, yes, for sure, have to be. Is that person on our list at the moment? No. No, I, no, I don't think, well, it could be in time if once we've got other people around them, but just as it stands at the moment, no. An inquisitor makes the point that I was going to make. Both Dangerfield and Lockie Neal were traded in to their respective teams. Yes. Is that how we're going to get our face of the franchise? Do you think? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that's how. The, I mean, Geelong have been doing this for years, and and to their credit, they've uh, a lot of teams do it, 
and they make one one or two errors and they slide down the ladder. St Kilda's a team that comes to mind, for example. Um, but Geelong have been very, very good they've, and they've always been good at uh, drafting and trading. So, uh, And that's why they've always stayed right up there. And um, if they if they didn't do that, uh, they wouldn't have the uh, record that they've got. And that's what we're going to have to do, you know, just one or two really gun players. Go chase them and get them. Uh, and they would preferably be midfielders then because I think that's where, if you've got your real star players in the midfield, that's where you start to think about winning games. So we made a grand final without a face of the franchise midfielder? Um, but a reasonably good midfield, though. No, that's not what we're saying, though. We didn't win, the, we didn't win though, mate. No, I know we didn't win. But we didn't win a lot of games that season. And we beat some very good teams in the final series. Yeah, but, but that we also did have that uh, spread of players across the whole the whole team um, that were playing on the same page. Which goes back to my question. Do we need a face of the franchise midfielder? I still think if you want to win a premiership, yeah, I, I, I'll say yes, we do. Okay. It's an interesting question. I don't, I don't have an opinion either way. I could make an argument both ways. Um, but I can see, you know, probably statistically, uh, it show, statistics or results would show that um, uh, you do need one. I just wonder whether we've got one on our list. Uh, I hope so, but, you know, time will be the answer to that one thing. A lot of these boys have got time to develop and, um, you know, the one that comes to mind that could be uh, a player of that calibre is Saligo. I just think for a first-year player, he just played out of his skin and if that's the starting point, he'll end up being a very... He could be that type of player. Very true. Um, so we've got three days to go. Um, I don't think there's any danger that the Rankin deal doesn't get done. Um, I don't actually think there's any danger that the Horn Francis deal gets done. I think that'll get done in Port's favour. They might have to sell the farm. Georgiades might end up back at West Coast. Is there any left-field stuff that you can see from uh, from the Crows? The the one that I'm surprised there hasn't been any whispers about, Macker, is McCadden back to WA. I thought that might have been on given uh, his improved form? Yeah, look, he's contracted, so if if he did, uh, we'd, we'd get at least something reasonable for him. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we did something on a minor scale um, towards uh, the very end of the trade period, trying to get another another draft pick in. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I, I thought we might have been able to squeeze some value out of Gil- um, Gilbert chain. Um, um, but uh, not to be. Um, Brampton obviously is the only other one that's got to drop. Himmelberg only had Luke. I, I just thought McCannum, given the state of both Western Australian teams' forward line, I would have thought he might have been on their radar, unless he's indicated that he doesn't want to go back there. Well, yeah. It, I thought he had a fantastic year last year, and... Um, uh, 
I thought always quite critical of McCannum in previous years that he looked like he sort of picked his games when he was interested or when he wasn't interested. And the thing I like about McCannum, when you see him on the field and you see his eyes blazing, you know he's on. Some of his eyes look like, yeah. you know, I'm out, I'm out here fair dinkum and I really want to kill today. I want to go really good. And there's yeah. other days he, look, he looks like he needs a good snooze. And... Yeah. um but last year we had a lot more burning, uh, glazing eyes, you know, the really daggers coming out of his eyes last year, and his form uh, corresponded to that. Yeah. Um, one last question before we wrap it up, Mac, and that's around the ruck. Uh, we've got Riley O'Brien and Kieran Strawn, of course. Um, Riley O'Brien's form was pretty average for the best part of the season. Uh, Kieran made the best of his opportunities without uh, you know, tearing the house down. We don't have a young up-and-coming ruckman. We haven't had one since Hunter. Um, would you be fishing around in the state leagues to bring in a rookie ruck? Yeah, I think that would be a very good idea to do that. Um, I think that Strawn can eventually be our ruckman, and but we need no, a backup. No, I don't think so. I don't think you so. You don't think? No. Okay. I don't think so. Uh, well, if we had a, a rookie ruckman, would you be game, and, then, and he showed that he's got promise, would you be game enough to trade one of um, Rob or Strawn? Oh, without even questioning. And, and which one would you be trading? Well, whichever one got us the most value, basically. But if you had a choice? Well, it's a silly question because it depends on the pick that's on offer. <laughs> Are you evading it? Okay. No, I'm not evading it. Like, obviously, you're asking me who I think is the better ruckman. So why don't you just ask me that question? No, who would you like to retain and who would you like to trade? That, that's well, I couldn't give a shit about either of them. Okay. I, both both of them are just serviceable ruckmen. No, not one is better than the other. They're both serviceable. They both have their strengths and weaknesses. Um, but I'd neither of them are worth hanging on, in my opinion. I'd trade Rob. The reason I would say I'd trade Rob because you get more value out of it. Well, that's what I said. Fucking hell, Mac. I said whichever one I'd get the more value out of. So you never gave I a name. I didn't, but at least I gave a bloody name. You didn't. But, uh, yeah, but it's all hypothetical. Look. If we could get a second-round pick for Riley O'Brien, I'd take it. If we, if we were only offered a third-round pick for Riley O'Brien, I probably wouldn't take it because it wouldn't be worth the hole in our list. If we could get a third-round pick for Kieran Strawn, I'd probably take it, right? No, I wouldn't let him go for a third round. Kieran Strawn? We need him as a backup. Wouldn't give away for a third. But it isn't... Uh, uh, I've lost track of your argument, Mac, because I thought you were saying if we were going to bring in a rookie ruckman. Oh, yeah, okay. If we've got a rookie ruckman, yeah, but I wouldn't trade him for a third. I'd want a second. For Kieran Strawn? Ru he's been in the AFL system for like five years over two clubs and played, what, half a dozen games. <laughs> Look, they're agreeing with you. They're saying even worse shit. Well, um, I, I think he's not a bad player, actually. 
than air, well, doesn't matter. Well, clearly he's like he's not sought after by any other club. He's played half a dozen games for us. Didn't do badly. I'd look, don't get me wrong. I think he's quite serviceable, but he's only serviceable. He wouldn't be a first ruckman in our side or any other side, in my opinion. Matt, but I your, your question was, if we were to bring in a rookie ruckman, would, would I be happy to trade one of our existing? And, I, and yes, absolutely. Uh, because I don't think either of them are, are worth hanging on to. I know, we were so, in agreement with that. It was only about yeah. the value of him. But, uh, yeah. yeah. No, but they, so they, anyway. they all, I'm, I'm obviously wrong because they were all agreeing with you, Fiend, so uh, I accept the, the masses. <laughs> I think they're all giving it shit because we've been going on for too long now. Right, look, it's a shame um, because it's one area. I, I, I'm, look, I, I go back and forth on Ruck. I do. Sometimes I think ah, stuff that it's not worth spending money on and other times I think a good Ruck is worth its weight in gold and I can't make up my mind which one it is, Mac, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'd love to have a, a, a ruckman that, you know, could really dominate on the ground like in the days like Jacobs did, you know, for example. That, yeah. That's the type of ruckman I would just love to have. Yeah, and look, to be honest with you, Riley O'Brien was that at times early in his career. Uh, I've always maintained that O'Brien was valuable when he was taking marks around the ground. He had a good engine. <clears throat> and he would take, you know, two or three contested grabs a game. But this season, and for a lot of last season, he just stopped doing that, didn't he? Oh, he had a uh, a very poor end of the season where he could barely take a mark. Um, yeah, that's what I said. I'm Maybe agreeing with you. need to go to bed. <laughs> Why? Well, so I agreed with you. So... You know that that's so. I wonder whether that's enough. Like you know, is it worth spending as much as um, Melbourne did in their draft in his draft year to get Jackson, for example, and how much it looks like Frio are going to pay for Jackson? Is it's that worth spending that much on a ruckman? I reckon he is getting two first for Jackson is one of the most overrated trades I've ever seen. I think so. I mean, I like Jackson. I think he's a good player, but but he's not. Is, he's not a two two uh, a high draft pick. He's just not worth that. No, I I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, PJ talking about Thilthorpe in the chat. Yeah, and I mean that's the other obvious thing. We've got Riley waiting in the wings, who will end up probably being our first ruck. Um. But I still think we need another young ruckman coming through, which would then allow us a little bit more versatility in the way we played. Still thought, um, I agree with you. But but you know, I, I just wonder how, how much is too much for a decent ruckman. I mean, we've we've done very well over the last ten years with you know Source coming off uh, a rookie spot in Carlton. You know, we've had um, O'Brien coming through the rookie system as well. I don't think we've done pretty oh, well. We've done it on the cheap. There's no doubt about that. Um, yeah. I, I certainly, and I certainly wouldn't like us to be paying uh, two first rounders to get a, tra- a bloody ruckman. Definitely not. No, I agree with that. I, I think it's ridiculous. Anyway. Well, mate, I think we've pretty much done it to death. Uh, obviously, uh, trade week 
<clears throat> the trade period, I should say, finishes on Wednesday evening. Um, so we'll probably come back next Sunday and wrap it all up and see how we went and see what people think. Um, and uh, in the meantime, I'm sure we'll hit Twitter and all the other socials to uh, give our running commentary. Uh, but in the meantime, mate, it's been very good to have you back on. And it's been fantastic to see so many people tuning in on YouTube and also on other platforms and having a chat as we're crapping on ourselves. Um, so there you go. <laughs> uh, look, it'd be interesting. I, I just think, Nick, I wouldn't be absolutely totally surprised if Adelaide did pull, not a big stunt, but a little stunt somewhere along the line. We will see, mate. It'll be a uh, either a very interesting or a very boring last three days. <laughs> I think my most well, interest will see how much Port have to give up for bloody Horn Francis, and I hope it's the absolute farm and the next door neighbour's farm and the farm down the road as well. And old, old McDonald's farm as well. Three so. farms I want. I want for Horn Francis, one farm for every bit of his name. I reckon is what he what he uh, what he's worth. So we'll see how that goes. We won't do a live on Wednesday night, sorry, Dylan, because some of us have got other things we've got to do. But we will certainly be back next Sunday at 8.30 to wrap up the trade and project a little bit forward on the draft when we know what picks we've got. In the meantime, Macca, uh, take care of yourself. Thanks to everyone who supported us on all platforms and on Patreon, of course, and we will see you next Sunday. Yep. Good night, all. Good night, mate. Yeah, see you, fam. Oh, well, I'm still here.